Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Reflect Forward. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins, and I hope you are having a great day today. I am coming to you from a hotel room in Palm Springs. I am here for the EY Entrepreneur of the Year and Strategic Growth Forum. Super excited about being here. I'm learning all kinds of amazing things about how to build teams and hybrid workforces and AI and what the future really holds for us, as if anybody can predict, but it's been fantastic. But I had the opportunity to interview my good friend, Chantel Preston. I met Chantel in YPO. Chantel is the co-founder and CEO of FMG, Facility Management Script. She's been in healthcare for most of her career. She has built companies. She is a builder. She has done amazing things. She talks about in the podcast how she's built over 65 hospitals around the U.S. She is just a rock star. And right now she is focusing on mentorship and advising women and companies who want to grow, who want to make an impact in the world. And so she's going to tell us all about that. So hang tight and I'll be right back with Chantel. All right, everyone. I am back with my dear, dear friend, Chantel Preston. Chantel, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Carrie, thank you so much for the invitation. I'm really excited about this conversation today. Oh my gosh, we're going to have so much fun. So for all of you listeners, Chantel, I met Chantel at a YPO event in Seattle. We're both on the regional Exco for, for Western Region YPO, and we hit it off immediately because uh, she is a badass woman doing badass things. And I just, I just I can't even wait. I just could reach through and hug you right now on this, on this call. <laughs> Like-minded people, they stay together, Carrie. That's right. All right. So you do a lot of things and we're going to dive into that on the show today, but let's talk a little bit about what you've got going on right now, because you've spent most of your career in healthcare. I know you bought or you built and sold a company and now you're running hospitals as one of the many things that you're doing. So can you tell us a little bit about your career through, through healthcare? You don't have to, like, not your resume, but just your passion and how you got into it and how that got you to where you are today. Sure. You know, it's funny people ask me that. And if you would have asked me when I was 22 years old getting out of college, would I be where I am today? I'd say not in a million years. So you just never know where you're going to end up. But basically, I got a great opportunity straight out of school and starting at a smaller company halfway to the top. And I chose to really take advantage of that and get in there and learn every aspect of the business. I was building and syndicating ambulatory surgery centers. At that time, it was a huge business in healthcare, didn't really know what it was. But I thought I could do anything, right, if I figure out what it is. Um, and just got in there and really found the right mentors, found the right folks to surround me with, and just learned all aspects of the business. From there, I became very niched. I really enjoyed taking something from concept all the way to operations. So I became very niched in the market of my forte is actually building healthcare facilities whether it's big, full acute care hospitals that you see or small little rural-based hospitals. I built over 65 hospitals in my career. I've done LTAX rehabs, full acute care. So again, it was just about finding that niche that I was really passionate about, you know, and utilizing those people around me to really expand my horizon. At 27, I went out on my own. It was a great life. And then I realized I didn't want to be a consultant forever. So I started a company with my partner called Atlantic Health Group. From there, we just found different niche businesses that we wanted to build and grow, which where my main business came from, Mentis Neuro Rehabilitation, and we were rehab for traumatic brain injury patients. So it was a great ride, loved it, 
you know, again, healthcare is kind of an interesting dynamics. We're all trying to figure out what's the next greatest thing. We took Mentis from concept to exit in 2015. After that, I have to tell you, I was kind of burnt out, ready to try to figure out something different in my life and took a little bit of time off and started working with mentoring a lot of companies. And then I had a phone call one day in 2018. And unfortunately, one of my passive investments, one of my partners got ill. And so I took over that business and that was freestanding emergency rooms and hospitals. Great opportunity. Didn't know anything about it. I thought, hey, how hard can it be, right? Well, six months later, COVID hit. It was, it was a great opportunity. I grew a lot. I didn't realize how much more I still had to grow, but I did grow a lot in my leadership of how I led. And I think that was really contributed to taking multiple different parts and putting together a platform company, but also building a culture in a very, very difficult time. Yeah. So you, so first of all, that is amazing because there's nothing easy about healthcare. And I can only imagine nothing easy about building healthcare facilities and running emergency rooms and all of the stress like that goes into it. Like you look beautiful and amazing for a high stress job, but let's talk about your leadership style because you used to be an authoritarian leader, if, if I remember correctly. So can you talk mm -hmm. a little bit about what that was like and then what made you change your ways? Sure. I, you know, it's kind of a fascinating story. You know, when I was younger, I felt like I had to be this little dictator to gain respect. And that was mainly because I was living in a man's world. I thought, okay, I had to really come in with that iron fist to really gain respect. I think society kind of put that in my head. That was a societal norms. It worked for me for a while, I have to say. And everyone knew how to deal with me. But then I started realizing it wasn't really inspiring my people the way I wanted them to be inspired. And I think when I took over Facilities Management Group, I realized that it was just a different way of managing. I wanted these people to be collaborative. I wanted us to work together. I guess I had an opportunity to kind of start fresh and be a new leader. They didn't know me very well. And so it really gave me the opportunity to be the person that I was. I think with women, we try to live by societal norms of, oh, we've got to be that dictator in the room, you know, and that bitch lady. Um, can I say that on your podcast? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and I realized that all those innate qualities that I had of being compassionate, being empathetic, being collaborative, those all work to my advantage. And how do we really look at how well we're doing? If you look at during COVID, we only lost a few folks in regards to leaving us to go somewhere else. They were offered an immense amount of money because nursing was very short but our people stayed and they stayed because of the culture that we created, because we cared. I felt like during COVID, I needed to be in the facilities with my staff. I was, they would make fun of me. I'm suited up. I was in a hazmat suit because I had small kids at home, but it was really important for all of us. So I think that as I've grown as a leader, as I've grown as a person, I think I've really realized that the way society wants us to be and the way that we really are normal, we need to be who we are. And take those great characteristics that we have and utilize those in all aspects of our lives as well as our, our leadership and our management. So what was that like? Not necessarily being a really authoritative leader, but feeling like that's how you had to modify yourself for many, many years. What was that like? What did it feel like inside? Did you feel like you were being inauthentic? Did you just say, I'm just doing this because it's what I have to do? Like, what was it like inside during that time? I was very conflicting, to be honest. And I mean, I had a lot of my friends, my personal friends would be like, you live two different lives. But you're one way when you go to work. And then when you come home, you're a totally different person. And so I think it was very conflicting. And I thought that that's how I had to be. And I wasn't being authentic. I wasn't being authentic with myself. I wasn't being authentic with my staff. 
and I just, I didn't like it. And so when I had the opportunity to change that, and I have people that have been with me for 10 plus years that have followed me from company to company, they love it now. And they'll tell you the stories of how I used to be versus how I am now. They think it's pretty funny. I'm a totally different person. But I also realize that that's why they're so loyal. That authenticity that I've been able to show them. I'm not saying that I'm any less demanding. I I have a high expectation of people, but you always know where you stand with me. I'm also very transparent with them. I like to sit down and, and mentor people and help people, which probably my earlier days, I wasn't quite as patient and compassionate when it came to those types of things. Yeah. I love this because it's proof that you can reinvent yourself. And so as you were reinventing your new leadership style, being a more authentic leader, and obviously people respected you a ton by following you, even if you were playing dictator Chantel, what was that like? Did you have people pushing back or maybe not believing that this like new version of you, even though it's the real version of you, was truly real? What was that like? I think that they really appreciated the approach. I had gotten softer over the years, I'll say that a little bit. And I think they appreciated the approach. And and I was very blunt with them as to why we were doing it. I was also kind of as I've gone in my career, I also have transitioned into who's the next folks coming up. We're all about building those next generations too. And so I wanted them to understand that it's okay to make mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes, right? And as long as I had enough safety net underneath them, I'd give them that ability. And so, again, it was more about building people. And they really appreciated that. And they respected that because they saw that, okay, it was a safe place. They knew they could make have some autonomy, make their own decisions. Um, and so it really helped them become more comfortable and confident of who they are, which is great because now you look at some of the folks that have left me, they're CEOs of companies. Yeah. And I can say those are my greatest successes or those individuals that I was able to help be their best selves, both personally and professionally. Yeah. I tell people all the time, your number one job of a leader is to help your employees unleash their full potential, both at work and in their personal lives too, because let's face it, they're all intertwined. And sometimes I get a funny look. Isn't it your job to drive results? Well, yes, but think about how much better results you get when people are feeling like they're their skills and their talents are aligned with their job and they have a boss that cares about them and a company that cares about them. Mm -hmm. Like they can be their true selves and flourish so much more. So if you're building a great team, you're going to be so much more successful as a CEO or as a leader. And that might seem counterintuitive to some people, but it's so true and so much more rewarding when you can look at all those people that you helped grow and develop who are living their best lives or going after their dreams. I'm sure it feels really good. It did. And don't get me wrong. It's not easy all the time. We all are type A personalities. We all want to control everything around us. And it took us some time to give them the ability to do that. And I've realized they're not always going to do everything the way I would want it done. However, if the end result is the same, you have to let people really grow and give them that ability to make those decisions and, and try different things. And sometimes their end result's better than what I would have achieved. And so again, how can we not let people really enhance themselves by making those decisions and building their own teams. Now I'm all about strategy. I've got great people in place. They run the day-to-day operations, as I'm sure you do. And again, I can sleep at night because I know these folks are loyal. They're committed. They're compassionate. They have all the traits that we've worked so hard to build within the culture of our organization. Yeah. 
I agree. I don't think that we give enough credit to maturing as leaders and really how impactful that is. I certainly made a ton of mistakes, move fast, drive really hard. And now so much stuff doesn't bother me like what it did would have 10 years ago because I'm like, eh, we'll get through it. We'll figure it out. There's no point in freaking out about this or getting upset or any of those things. But we don't talk about it enough about really what comes with that maturing and how I think you can be so much more cool, calm, and collected because you've been there, you've done that. And so would you say that is a similar experience for you? How have you matured as a leader? Absolutely. I think there's some great books I've read over the last few years about the next phase of your life. And Arthur Brooks is a great one, Strength Over Strength. I think in the earlier days, your perspective of what success is is very different than as you get older. It was all about the control, the money, the power, the title. Now it's like, I want to share my wisdom. I want to allow people, but I also want to share the wisdom that I've gained, the experiences, the expertise, and not to necessarily tell people what to do, but share my experiences, advise them, challenge them to see things in different ways. And I think that's something that as a younger individual, a lot of my mentors did to me. They challenged me to see things differently. And I think we need to continue to do that to others as we continue to progress. And so, yeah, age does uh, a little bit to you, but I also think that you get to a certain point in your career that you realize you have so much knowledge to give back and experience that, again, I'm in that place where I want to help those individuals that want to continue to grow their career get there. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Our, I remember our first conversation on a bus to a winery outside of Seattle. And I think you were debating on whether you're going to take a CEO job or do your own thing. And I love that conversation when it was like talking about the trade-offs about what you really want and where that passion is. And I think you decided to turn down that job so that you could yeah. do just that. So talk a little bit about where you're at right now with those tough decisions, like you can go run companies, like you are the CEO of a company, you could go build, but your heart's pulling you in this other direction. What does it feel like right now? Yeah. Uh, you know, conflicted uh, yeah. sometimes, you know, um, you're right. I, I had an amazing opportunity put in front of me about running a company again. And I just decided I just, my heart wasn't in it. I think where I am now is I have to be very passionate about the things that I'm doing. I had a hard time after we sold Mentis. I didn't know who I was anymore. I felt like I was lost. And I realized I wasn't lost because I was away from Mentis. I was lost because my passion was helping people. And with Mentis, we help people. And now I I get to enjoy all aspects of life because as you very well know, I'm huge on helping women empower themselves. And when I went through the sale process with Mentis, I realized that maybe not all women had the same opportunities that I had. And I also want women to be their own advocate. I want women to realize, hey, we can accomplish anything we want if you go after it. Don't sit in the corner and cry, all these different things. We control our own destiny. And so I do spend an enormous amount of time now. I'm a strategic growth consultant where, you know, whether it's growth strategy in your personal or in your professional, I work with corporations to help them in regards to growth. But also growth in a company also revolves a lot around the individuals that are there. And building that culture, making sure your values are the same, your mission, everybody understanding what the overall objectives are. Um, So again, I've had the opportunity now to really focus my time and attention there. And now that my company's running great and uh, the right folks are in place, I've, you know, switched over and I'm getting to uh, dabble more into that aspect. 
Uh, I'm sure that feels so fulfilling to be able to go start to move into this next phase of your life while still maybe not giving up 100% of right. that CEO I bet drive. we can't give away everything. That's right. We still got a little Taipei in there. But yes, it, uh, it, it does allow me some time to get to really enjoy and help others. I do a lot with kids. I do a lot with adults. Again, how can we continue to help each other grow and prosper? Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about the empowering women piece of it, since that's something that you're so passionate about. Are you working primarily with women who are leaders who are in businesses or are you working with up and coming leaders? What does that look like? What's your niche? So mainly it's women mid-career. They want to go ahead and excel their career, whether they're CEO, COO, want to get to the top, mid middle level uh, managers is really who I'm working with. Women that want to figure out how can I be my best self in all aspects. Um, a lot of times we're our own worst enemy. I'm trying to balance. Anybody that tells you that there's a balance out there, they're wrong. There's no balance. They're lying to you. You can have it all, just not at the same time. And so it's really helping women figure out what's my next step. How can I not feel guilty all the time? I, I hear guilt all the time. Yeah. All those things that prevent us from taking those chances, from being our best selves, whether it's, I want a promotion, I want a raise. I had a great friend of mine. She runs a huge organization, just sold hundreds of millions of dollars and she got a job offer. And I said, great, what did you counter? And she said, I didn't. What do you mean you didn't counter? She said, I thought it was fair. Again, yeah. we need to advocate for ourselves. And so really my goal, Carrie, is to really go out and try to help as many women as I can, whether it's through speaking, I have a podcast that's coming out, as to how to be your own best self. And that's by taking control of your life. You control your life, control your time. That's another big one. Women have a tendency to say yes to everything. It took me a long time to be able to say no to people. Then I started realizing, look, if it doesn't really impact my ultimate goals in life, why am I doing it? Yep. Because I feel obligated. Nobody else feels obligated. So again, just really using some of those nuggets to help women figure out how to gain control of their lives and be their own advocate. I love that. I used to be so good at saying no. When my son was young, I was like, that's it. I'm only doing stonage stuff, mom stuff, and CEO, uh, and taking care of myself because I am a probably, I'm probably addicted to working out. It's the only way to like knock the edges off of my intense personality. That's a great <laughs> habit, by the way. I wish I had that habit. That's a great habit to my, have. My husband was like, you work out too much. And I was like, no, no, I don't. I don't work out enough. <laughs> I would be a professional athlete if I could, if I was good enough at anything, but I'm not. But now I say yes to more. And some of it is really fulfilling. And some of it's like, okay, you know what? It's just too much. And it's so easy to creep in. And I find that I'm not doing it because I feel obligated. I find that I'm doing it because I want to contribute. And I think that I have something to contribute. But I actually, today, I turned down board seat because the compensation was not in line with my time. And I know lots of people would say, just take it because you're building out your board resume. And I'm like, no way. I have a company to run. I have a son to raise. I am trying to be there for my husband who's growing a business and my mom who is aging. And I am not going to do something that does not compensate me for my time. I mean, I'm not looking at like a one-to-one, -one, but something sure. that's realistic. And so I just said, I'm sorry, I have to decline. This compensation just does not in alignment with the cost of my time. And I was so freaking proud of myself because I debated for a week of, should I do this? This is good on my resume. And then I'm like, I'm going to be so mad at myself for devaluing my time like that. So it felt really good to, to say no. I, I had a situation very young in my life where I had a 
client came to me and wanted me to do this project for him. And I, I gave him my fees and they said, oh, I can't afford that. And I was really distraught. And I thought, well, I, I could do it for less. And I had a great mentor say to me one time, you devalue your time and your experience one time and everyone else will take advantage of yeah. you. Yeah. And I went back and I said, hey, I, I'm sorry, I, I can't do it, but I, I'm happy to find someone else that can help you. And sure enough, they found the money too. Yeah. And so again, I, I congratulations, most women can't do that. Yeah. I can't say I'm totally there yet. I've taken some things in the last few years that I wished I hadn't. I've had to invoke a strategy of when somebody asks me, I'm, I'm like, oh, shiny penny, let's do it. This sounds great. And then I get home and I go, oh my gosh, why did I agree to do that? So I've had to take on the, the strategy of saying, I, let me check my schedule to make sure that I can fit it in before I'll say yes, because yeah. I do, I get excited. Everybody wants to feel needed. Everybody wants to feel good. Yeah. And then I go back and go, but everything I say yes to, that means I'm saying no to something else. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, I have small kids too. And so that time will never get back as well. We already spend enough time away from our kids. And so if I'm going to spend that time away, it's really got to be A, something I'm passionate about, but you're right, something that's going to benefit financially for my time. Yep. And so I congratulate you for doing that. Thanks. Great job. Well, I, I'm, I'm not claiming to be good at it, uh, but I one was- step real, time, One Gary, step one at step a time. time. Exactly, great. exactly. And, you know, I was like later on when I'm in a different phase of my life, I can do stuff like that where it doesn't really matter. But right now it's a distraction from my company. It's a distraction from my family. It probably means that I work out a little bit less. So I, mean, like, I, don't, yeah. I already don't know how you do everything that you do. You're going hundred miles an hour every day. So, but you're right. I mean, it does take away from something else. Yep. And yep. it goes back to, I've had to, at times in my life, I've had to sit down and go, okay, I want to list out everything I'm doing. And what is really, and here's my overall objective and goal. What am I passionate? What's my goal? What's my strategy? And what's my purpose in life? And then go back to which one of these connect to that? And if they don't connect to it, then they've got to go. Then they're just eating my time. Yep. And the one thing I've learned, if you don't control your own time, somebody else will. Yep. And so I've gotten very strict in regards to how I control my time. Yeah. And that's great advice for anybody, men, women, right? Oh, for I sure. mean, we cram every minute of our day full. We don't actually have time to self-reflect, to pause mm -hmm. and breathe. And how am I feeling? How am I doing? Is this making me happy? And I think this constant need to distract ourselves and stay busy is what has caused so much misery and mental health issues because we oh. don't know ourselves. We don't know how to just be alone with ourselves without doing or on the phone, distracting ourselves. And I think that's a really important message. Like it's okay to just sit there with yourself and not have something to do, but how many of us actually do that? Right. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure a lot of us are real good at that. And I did, you know, a few years ago, I started walking every day, which is like my yeah. self-care four to eight miles a day. And whether I'm just listening to the birds sing, whether I'm listening to a podcast or talking on the phone, it's my time. And everybody in this office and everyone around me knows, don't call me during that time. If I want to talk to you, I'll call you. Mm -hmm. But that's the time that I really get to, as you said, really reflect what's important right now. And it's so interesting. We always worry about what's in the future, but I've gotten to where what's important now. I want to win. What's important now? What do I need to do right now that's going to get me to that next phase? I think we're always looking at the horizon versus being in the present. Yeah. And I know that in my younger days, that's all I look for is, oh, I can't wait to get older. I can't wait to do all these different things. Now I'm like, okay, what do I need to do right now to get me one step closer to that yeah. ultimate goal? Mm -hmm. And it's changed my life in so many ways. It's slowed me down. 
It's made me appreciate a lot of things. It's made me be present at home. And I try to cut things off because I keep telling everybody at the end of the day, most of the stuff doesn't matter. And so take that time because it'll make you a better person and more productive at work. If you're able to have that downtime and have that personal time and those personal interactions with your friends, with your family. And they laugh at me around here because I am very different. 10 years ago, you would ask me, oh, we should have been working 24 seven. I don't care what you're doing on the weekend. If we have a project, you're going to be there. Now I'm like, hey guys, it's Friday at noon. Let's all go home. Hey, just go enjoy your kids because we work hard. So we should be able to have that time off. And you realize that people's mental states make them so much more productive if they're able to, what I call, fill their cups at home, personally, and everything else. And that goes back to leadership. It's changed. The industries as a whole and employees have changed. And I think people are starting to realize that there is more to life than work. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't provide them that balance, then you're going to miss out on some good people. Yep. I just had this conversation with my CFO who's building a house and trying to, like, like literally he's building it with his dad and he's a workaholic, but he's like, I'm trying to fit my 60 hour a week job into 40 hours because I have to build this house. And we were talking about how, you know, people who were like, oh yeah, you know, I'd work 50, 60 hours, part of my job. And we was like, no, now I'm working 40, 45, maybe 50, but that's it. And we talked about it. It's like, it's not going back and it's so much healthier. And businesses are of course going to have to adjust because I think many people have been taking advantage of workers who will put in those long hours for their salaries, but you're right. It has changed. And in the long run, it's going to be so much better for us. We're having such a mental health crisis across the whole entire globe, particularly here in the United States. And people are realizing like, this is not a healthy way to live. Being connected all the time, not being outside, not moving my body and literally obsessing about work, whether you're working or not working is not healthy. No. And, and we had to actually implement some things within our own organization about forcing people to take time off. Yeah. A lot of our higher up executive team, they wouldn't take their time yeah. and it finally became mandatory. They need that time off. And so it wasn't, oh, we're going to offer you. It's we're telling you. And during COVID, we were so short-staffed, everything that was going on, we didn't know what to expect. And I mean, we had folks that didn't get time off and we started to force people to take time off just because the mental aspect, everyone needs some downtime. And I get that people are very prideful. So are you. And I think we probably both, our companies are very important to us. That's our top three. But at the end of the day, sometimes we need a break as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. Again, it funnels down, it dominoes down. You know, yep. and people know yeah. I take time off. I'll take time off for my family. People know that there's certain things that are, you know, non-negotiables for me with my kids. I don't miss a basketball game. I don't miss a softball game. And they know don't call me during that time. But like I tell them, I expect them to do the same. Yeah. And it's not that I'm saying, oh, work less or be less productive. I think we can all be more productive. Let's work smarter, not harder. Yep. And again, by having that culture and that support, knowing that it's okay, I think helps our individuals want to be better and want to be more productive. Yep. Yeah, I can, I agree with you. And I think that we have to role model it as leaders. Sure. All right. If we say we want our employees to have balance, this false utopia of balance, but we are sending emails on weekends or at three o'clock in the morning, that's actually setting the tone for what you expect from people. And so you have to stop doing that. I, I get up super early and I do not expect anybody to be up at four o'clock. That's what I do. And if I happen to send an email, like I tell my team, I don't expect you guys to answer. But now that Microsoft lets you schedule 
all of your emails, I just delay set to like 7.30 in the morning. And so everybody knows they come in earlier because they get the flurry of emails that all come in at the same time. But who cares, right? I am not sending the message that people should be up working early. And I think that's a really important thing. We as leaders have to role model the behaviors that we want our employees to exhibit. And so if we're not taking care of ourselves, why would our employees do the same? Oh, I, I absolutely agree. I do the same thing. I'm, I'm not as smart as you about figuring out how to schedule them, but I always put, I'm only sending this because if I don't send it now, I won't remember later, but don't respond to it till later. And, and you're right. And I think that is very important. And so again, just the way that we lead today, and I'm sure not everybody's going to agree with us. Uh, I'm sure there's a few out there that still oh, yeah. believe the old school mindset, yep. but I do think as we grow and in the future, it is going to be more in that realm. And if you look at the generations coming up, that's the expectation. Yeah. The expectation is balance and that's okay. As long as we can figure out. And again, all I want to do is inspire people to want to be here and to want to be as productive as they can. And like you said, be a good role model. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk a little bit more about how you help companies. So you do a lot of keynoting and workshops as well. So what types of topics do you talk about and how do you go into help companies, not just individuals when you're coaching them? Great question. You know, I do a lot of strategic planning, obviously in regards to most organizations I work with, they're looking at how do I take my company from A to Z? Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you're within an organization, you can't see the forest through the trees. You know, you're so siloed into your own department, you can't see how it impacts other departments. So really going in and doing strategic planning with them is how do we set milestones? How do we interact within each department to make sure that everyone's being transparent about timelines, product production, all those different components. Mm -hmm. So it's really working with companies on the strategic planning side. I do work with management or some of the executives in regards to, as you mentioned, I don't want to say coaching because it's not really coaching, more advising in regards to strategy so they can see things and really challenging them to see things in a different way. Again, being able to have someone that's not engrossed in the organization take a blind eye and say, okay, let's look at things objectively, it kind of helps when you're looking at the same thing over and over every day. So it's really challenging them to look at things in different aspects and being able to give them some insight into regards to how others work, how other industries work. And so really about more the strategic planning aspect. I do work with some private equity in regards to if they have females that are high executives, how do we get them to, I don't want to say how to get them, actually that's a bad say, how to empower them, how to make sure that they have the confidence and um, the ability to take the company to the next step. So really being that advocate and that resource for them, probably more in the coaching or mentoring realm. So again, just a couple different ways that that's how I'm working with companies right now. Yeah, that's great. And and you said multiple industries, so you're not just focused in healthcare. You'll, it doesn't matter to you. I, I actually would prefer not healthcare because when you know too much about the industry, you become more an advisor than you do really kind of an objective individual. I mean, as you and I both know, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, you're all having the same issues. Yep. And I think we both learned that through YPO, if anything, and through Forum. Uh, we all have the same problems. It doesn't matter. It's really agnostic in regards to what industry it's in. Yep, absolutely. All right. Now you just announced that you're getting ready to uh, start up, launch a podcast. So tell us a little bit about your podcast. 
I'm really excited about my podcast and a little nervous, I'm not going to lie, uh, but it's really talking to the middle-aged women like ourselves, you know, really. Kind no, of- I'm not middle-aged. Damn it. Yes, I am. I <laughs> am. Okay. Let me rephrase that. I am. Okay, I am back. too. I just turned 45. You know, I turned 45. I have the same birthday well, I'll, as your twin. I'll be 50 <laughs> next month. Um, and so it's really empowering those of us that are in that, that phase of our careers. Uh, to really kind of give them a little kick. Hey, let's be our own advocate. Let's go get what we want and share some of my trials and tribulations. We talk about all the rosy things here on a podcast, but I have to tell you, not everything has been unicorns break that is. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, teeth kicking. You know, there's been a lot of days sitting at the bar going, oh my God, how am I going to make payroll? But it's again about really being their advocate and being that ear saying, hey, we can do this. We can do it together. These are some of the ways that I was able to get through things. These are some of the strategies. Let's look at being realistic with our goals. Um, you know, you can't be everything to everyone. Manage your time. What's the best use of your time? And then coming up with really an executable plan. Again, sometimes the hardest thing is just the first step. How to get rid of the guilt. I think women, we feel guilty all the time for everything that we do. We should be taking care of everybody else, not ourselves. Hey, it's okay to take care of ourselves. We take care of ourselves. We're better for everyone else. So it's really just more of a motivational, I call it growth strategist for your personal aspect and your professional. So that's kind of what I'm focusing on. And what's the name of it? Great question. More to come on that. <laughs> I thought we were going to like announce it here. Not, <laughs> not yet, Kiri, not yet, but as soon, very soon. <laughs> well, I'd love to be a guest and we can talk about all you those problems. Definitely be a guest. <laughs> Absolutely. You'll be one of the first ones. Trust me. So I, I'm super excited about it. Oh, congratulations. Thank all you. right. Well, I know we have to wrap up. Uh, you have kiddos to go pick up and I have a uh, awards ceremony to prepare for. But I do have one last question, my signature question, before we talk about where people can find you. The name of this podcast is Reflect Forward. What does Reflect Forward mean to you? Oh, gosh. Uh, Reflect forward, moving forward. How are we looking at ourselves every day to figure out how we want to be our best selves? Reflecting on what legacy we want to leave. How do we want to be seen? Some great things I've heard recently about, you know, we have a tendency when people say, tell us about yourself. We talk about our resume. At the end of the day, I want to be known as inspiring. I want to inspire people. And that's the way I hope at my final day, that's what people are saying. She inspired me to be my best self, to go after something that I didn't think I could achieve. And so reflecting forward, I think that that's what it means to me is how do you want to be viewed at the end of the day? Yep. Yep. I agree with you completely. Oh, Chantel, this has been such a fun conversation. I could talk to you all day. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. We're done. No way. There's more. Uh, you know, I, I really appreciate it. Your- but you do not want to be late for you know, dance know. practice. I have, to, I, have to be, I have to do my real job, which is mom job. You know, it, Like we talk about, there's not just one job that we do every day. So yeah. I've got to go be bus driver. So yes, oh. i got to go pick up kids. Awesome. So. Awesome. All right. Well, I'll include this in the show notes. But if people wanted to find you, how should they look for you? Uh, ChantelPreston.com. Right. And simple. are you on LinkedIn? I am. Same thing yeah. on LinkedIn, Chantel Preston. And um, so, yeah, hit me up. As everybody knows, I'm pretty transparent, pretty open. Love to chat with anybody that, you know, is like-minded like us. Wonderful. All right. Well, I'll put all that. Tomorrow night, Carrie. Thank That's you. Not- Thank you. Right. Thank you. I know. I know. We'll see. Um, yeah. So what we're talking about, everybody, is EY's Entrepreneur of the Year. It won for Mountain West region and coming up here is the award ceremony for the U.S. Nationals. So it's going to be a real fun party. <laughs> Gary's very humble, but that's a huge, huge accomplishment. So Thank congratulations, you. Gary. Thank you. I appreciate it. 
All right. Well, with that, we'll end. And uh, thanks again for coming on the show. You were brilliant as always. Thanks, Carrie. Appreciate it. All right. Hang tight. I'll be right back. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that interview. She's so fantastic. Please check her out if you need strategic planning services, a speaker. Uh, if you need to build a hospital, she knows what she's doing. So with that, I will leave you for your day. And if you like this podcast, please write a review, rate it, subscribe to it, share it with a friend. It helps with the algorithms and it gets these amazing stories like Chantel's out to the world. Thanks again. I'll see you next week. Take care.